Well, good morning. It's great to see you all this morning and be with you. Uh, thank you all for uh, thank you all for uh, being with us and band. Thank you guys for today. Um, it was amazing. Uh, yeah, we can give them a, a round of applause for sure. And also, Mark, thank you for your words. It actually works really well, and it's a great segue for. Uh, the class today. So after services, once again, we're going to be having a combined class talking about our mission statement, and today we're going to be honing in on serve others. And that being something that we want to do as a church, we want to serve other people and be the hands and feet of Jesus to our community. And it's one of the biggest things that I think can help take us from just coming and being a pew filler on Sunday to actually the rubber meeting the road. This is what our faith is about. It's about serving. It's about helping other people come to know Jesus. We're going to be talking about that. So I would highly encourage you all to stay after as we keep diving into our mission and the type of church we want to be, how we want to keep partnering with different groups and communities uh, within this community to help the world come to know about Jesus. So we're going to be continuing today this series called Who I Am, and this is a study on the character and nature of God and who we should be in response as image bearers. And so far, the first week, we talked about our heart's desire needs to be only and fully given over to God. Like, that's, that's what it's all about. It's about intimacy with God. And then last week, we talked about the Trinity, that God is three persons and one essence, and that we need to hold this intention, God's oneness and threeness, and difference, or unity, diversity, and equality, and we need to, as a church, be a community that embodies those things, to be a perfect community of love, and we're not going to be. <laughs> we're all broken, right? But that's what we're striving for. We're trying to model after who God is, and today, we're going to be start looking at God's character, because character is really important. How many of you, if you're looking for a babysitter, would go to Craigslist and make an ad and say, hey, looking for babysitter, first come, first hired, no questions asked. I don't, I don't think we would do that. How many of you, if you're looking for a spouse, you have a friend that comes up to you and says, hey, I met this person that I think could work with you, but the catch is, he said he had to be married on Saturday. So weddings on Saturday, is that okay? Does that work? Yeah, sure, why not? No one would do that unless you're on the show Married at First Sight on Netflix, which the fact that that's even a show, like... What? <laughs> um, or if this hasn't happened, I hope this hasn't happened, and I hope y'all would not go for this, but uh, if you're going to Kroger and there's somebody with a little cardboard sign out front that says, free valet service, just hand me your keys and I'll park your car and I'll have it ready to go. You know, I don't think many people would be like, yeah, sure, that sounds great, right? Because who somebody is matters. We want to entrust the most important stuff in our life with people who are trustworthy. And I think God would agree with that. Over the next several weeks, we're going to be dissecting Exodus 34, verse 6 and 7, because this is the most quoted passage in the Bible by the Bible, meaning there are tons and tons of references to these verses throughout Scripture. And what makes this passage so special is throughout Scripture, we have a ton of people talking about what God is like and who God is. But this is God talking about himself here. And if you want to know truth, you want to go to the source, right? And you can't get much closer to the source than God talking about himself. So this is what we're going to be looking at. 
But we're going to start in Exodus 33 because we need to get a little context into what's happening going into Exodus 34. So Moses is leading the Israelites. He's leading the people of God through the wilderness, trying to get to the promised land. And this comes after an incident where Aaron and the Israelites, they set up this golden calf and they start bowing down and worshiping it. And God is furious. He is so frustrated with Israel. So Moses then goes outside of the camp and pitches a tent and calls it the tent of meeting. And that's where uh, we meet, Moses and God meet together. So if you look at Exodus 33, verse 11, I love this verse. It says, The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. I love that language. That God met Moses in this tent as a friend, as you and me would have a conversation. God is doing something that wasn't happening since the garden, since Adam and Eve, walking and talking face to face. And whenever it says face to face, it's more of an idiom here. It's not literally saying face to face, because later in this chapter, if you kept reading it, you would see that God says, no one may see my face and live. <laughs> so God is, God's glory is so powerful that it can overwhelm us, but God is revealing himself to Moses in a way that would enable a conversation like a friend. I love that. Also, at the tail end of verse 11, you see a really interesting fact. There are two people in scripture that did not have earthly fathers. The first one, well, actually both are named Joshua or Yeshua. Jesus, right, conceived of Holy Spirit and Mary. And then we see here, uh, Joshua was son of none. So, um, dads, <laughs> tuck that one away. That's a slow burn here, right? We're getting it, we're getting it. Uh, tuck that one away. That is guaranteed eye rolls from your kids. So, <clears throat> but if we keep reading in verse 12, it says, Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. And then God grants his request a few verses later in verse 17. It says, and the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. And then Moses says in verse 18, now show me your glory. You can see right here, Moses gets it. He knows what life's pursuit is all about. It's all about knowing and walking in intimacy with God. And while everybody else is going to choose a golden calf to bow down, I'm choosing you, God. And then God instructs Moses to go up Mount Sinai with new stone tablets to rewrite the commandments that were broken and then we're going to pick up in verse 4 of Exodus 34. So Moses chiseled out two stone tablets like the first ones and went up Mount Sinai early in the morning as the Lord had commanded him. And he carried the two stone tablets in his hands. And then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. So now we're going to be really getting into it. These next two verses we're going to be spending a lot of time in. All right, you guys are, hopefully you'll have these memorized and burned in your brains because we're going to be talking about it enough. <clears throat> because this is God telling Moses, this is who I am. That's the sermon series title. All right, so it says in verse 6, and he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness 
maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. Some of you are like, man, that opening part sounded great. And then they're like, whoa, that's a, that's a big turn, right? We're, we're going to get to that in a few weeks. Fear not. But after hearing this, Moses, he falls on his knees in worship because God is revealing who he is. And he's, Moses has been begging for God to stick with this people, this rebellious people. So we see right here, God is fulfilling what he said he would do for Moses. He is explaining what he is like. And how God first reveals himself is fascinating. He's talking about his character. He doesn't start out by saying, all right, here's what you need to know about me. So I am three persons in one essence. You have to hold these three things in perfect tension. That is the Trinity. That's not how he starts. He doesn't come in saying, you have to understand all the omnis, that I'm omnipotent, that I am all-powerful. I can do whatever I want. I'm omniscient. I know everything. He doesn't start out with the things he can do. He starts out with what he is like. Because he wants Moses to know his heart. He wants Moses to know what he cares about. And we see this specifically with the Lord's first words to Moses. It's translated, the Lord, the Lord. Uh, and that's, that's repeated for emphasis. But I really don't like that translation. Because anytime you see the all caps that are a little bit smaller in the Old Testament... What's supposed to be there is the personal name of God. It's not supposed to be the Lord. So why isn't the, it, the personal name of God there? Well, so after 6th century B.C., there is, Judaism became more and more of a universal religion. So they wanted to use the word Elohim, which means God, thinking more over the universe, as opposed to God's personal name for this specific people group. So they wanted it to be a little bit more universal, but the, the real reason, the biggest reason, not the real one, it's the more important reason or the more frequent one, is because people were more and more afraid to use the personal name of God, specifically about 300 years before Jesus, as Jews would be reading the text, they would skip over, instead of saying God's personal name, they would substitute the word Adonai, which means Lord or Master. And this Largely, there's a term for this in Judaism. It's called chumrah. That's fun. Get a little in there. Chumrah, which it's about being careful not to break a law to the point where you want to build a fence around the law. So you want to be even more cautious that you create more commandments and more laws so that you don't break that one. So out of a reverence for not wanting to ever misuse the Lord's name, which there's something respectful and good about that, they would altogether just not say God's name. And the English translations kind of picked up on that too. So anytime in scripture in the Old Testament where you see Lord in all caps, it's supposed to be God's personal name. And a lot of times they'll put a footnote there to explain that, that it's not Adonai, but actually God's name. And for those who don't want to say God's name, specifically out of reverence, I respect that. I really do. And I, sh I share some of that sentiment because I don't think we should just be throwing around God's name willy-nilly. We need to be people who respect his name. But knowing and using someone's name is an important part of relationship. Because the Lord is a title. And there are a lot of titles for God. A lot, that song we just sang, there were a lot of titles. God itself is a title. 
but it's not God's name. We want to be using each other's names in relationship. For example, whenever I'm with my wife, Abby, I don't call her the wife, <laughs> right? The wife, the wife, would you like a date on Saturday? Like, we don't, we don't go around saying that. We use each other's names in meaningful relationships, which is also why I'm trying to learn all of y'all's names, but give me a little grace because there's a, a lot of y'all. But names are really important. And the fact that God has a name and revealed it to us is monumentally huge. This reveals that though God, he is such a mystery and so unknowable, but at the same time, he's relational. And he wants to be in our lives. He, he wants us to know him. And in the ancient Hebrew culture, names were more than just a label. It was more than just paperwork. It was tied to one's identity. It was tied to one's origin or one's purpose. And you, you see this throughout scripture. Adam it means man. The first man, you know, that, that fits. We'll call you man. And Eve, the mother of all life, means life. Okay, that makes sense. Abraham, the father of many nations, with tons and tons of descendants to come. Jacob, it means deceiver or crooked. He has a life full of deception. And then God actually renames him to Israel after fighting with him, which Israel means fights with God. <laughs> Like, you see how this is all important. And you know what? It's true for me, too. I live up to my name. I act like a true dingus every single day. <laughs> and not only is God sharing his name, it indicates to us that God wants deeper relationship, but he's also sharing what he's like because there is so much meaning baked into a name. So what is his name, really? <laughs> so as we talked about last week a little bit, and it's, it's true for this, too, we, we know his name, but we also don't really know his name at the same time. <laughs> That's God's like, transcendence and eminence at the same time. But the reason I say that, I'll, I'll get to that in a second. Turn with me to Exodus 3 real quick. So here Moses talks to God through the burning bush. And God calls Moses to go and speak to Egypt uh, on behalf of the Israelites to help lead them to freedom. And then Moses asks God in verse 13, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you were to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you will call me from generation to generation. So God reveals here in Exodus, his name is I Am. Okay, interesting. And it's the name that we are to call him from generation to generation, forever. That is his name forever. So let's break down what this means in Hebrew a little bit. So the reason I said we don't fully know the name of God is because we don't really know how to pronounce it. Because in ancient Hebrew, there were no vowels. It's kind of hard to, to read something whenever there's no vowels in it. It wasn't until the 600s AD that vowels were put into Hebrew. But this, this is the name of God, what it looks like in Hebrew. And this was made by Devin Dixon. This painting is incredible. So if y'all have a chance, come up and look at the details in a second. And she's, man, she's like a Hebrew scribe. That is like perfect. 
but uh, it's really, really beautiful and really captures God's glory, I think, which is awesome. But uh, so this, this is known as the Tetragrammaton. <laughs> That's a fun word. That's a little party trick. I want to see you guys casually use the word Tetragrammaton in a sentence with your friends. Um, but it just means the four-letter word, but it's the best four-letter word. Uh, so this is yod Hey vav Hey. That's the Hebrew letters for it. Uh, but there are no, no vowels. And it, that is transliterated into English. Transliterate just means brought into English alphabet as Y-H-W-H. So that's what we know for a fact is a part of God's name. But since there weren't vowels, it's been so long since we've heard the pronunciation, it's been a little bit difficult. And some have taken the divine name to be Jehovah. That's because the Yod in Hebrew often turns into a J as we translate that into English. So, and they took the word Adonai, took the vowels of Adonai and substituted it and brought it in between Y-H-W-H. So that's how you got Yahuwah or Jehovah, right? So that's, that's where Jehovah came from. However, almost every modern scholar believes that the best guess for the pronunciation of the name is Yahweh. And this mostly comes from early Greek writings that predate the vowels that were put into the Hebrew manuscripts in like the 600s AD. This goes back to like 1st, 2nd century AD. And these Greek early Christians were saying the personal name of God is pronounced Yahweh. So putting all that together, that's the best guess we have. But I say that at the same time, we don't exactly know the pronunciation, which again, I feel like this is a trend I'm seeing with God. We both know and don't know, and I think that's beautiful. So for the sake of the sermon, we're going to say God's name is Yahweh. So what does that mean specifically? So in Hebrew, when God says, I am who I am, it is Eye Asher Eye. And you might think Eye does not really sound a ton like Yahweh, but that's because it comes from the same root word to be, which this one, you'll remember this one, it's called Hayah. Um, Hayah is the word to be. So in the first person singular, Hayah goes to Ehe, which is I am. So whenever God is talking about himself, it is I am who I am. But whenever we talk about God, we're talking to him, talking about him in the third person, which is Yahweh, which is meaning he is. So whenever we're saying the name Yahweh, we're saying he is. And as good English speakers, whenever we hear he is, we want to finish that sentence, right? He is what? He is good, he is loving, what is it? And that's the thing, there is not a single word that you can put in that blank that would capture the majesty of God. Not a single one. God just is. <laughs> he is life, he is existence in itself and so much more. And there, there are some who have even suggested that the sounds of our breathing sound like Yahweh. The first cry of a baby sounds like the first part of Yah, and then the last breath is the second half. And you know, I think that is really cool if that's true. To me, it's a little bit of a stretch. But if that is true, how fitting is that for a God whose name means life and existence in itself? And also, I want you to note this. This is a verb. So this verb is also in the imperfect tense, meaning it's an incomplete action. I'm going deep into language. Some of you are like, I hated English. I'm not in for this. But we're going to do it anyway. So this could be saying, I am who I am. 
Or it could be saying, I will be who I will be. And John Mark Comer, in his book, uh, God Has a Name, he has this interpretation of it, and I love it. What I am, I will be. Meaning that God is consistent. He is unchanging. He's saying, this is my name forever, what you will call me from generation to generation. So as we go throughout this little mini-series within the bigger series on Exodus 34 and pick out specific words about God and how he describes himself, whenever we read that God is compassionate, God is compassionate forever. God is gracious forever. There's never a time when he is not those things. So to, in a world where everything is changing, in a world where there is so much uncertainty constantly, and people are going to disappoint us, and life is going to disappoint us, God is unchanging. And that means everything. And if he wasn't, that would be awful. Could you imagine if God just one day, he woke up on the wrong side of the bed and was just like, you know what, I'm done being compassionate. I'm not going to be gracious. Y'all are awful. No eternal life for you. Like, that would be terrible. We can't trust somebody who doesn't have consistent character. But since God does have consistent character, we can trust him. But sometimes we may not think God has consistent character. People oftentimes will pit Jesus and the Father against each other. People will say that the Father is just this mean, vindictive, angry God that wants to smite me the moment I make a mistake. And then we see Jesus as the radical one that went to college that became all about love, peace, and tolerance, right? But that's a false distinction. Jesus is Yahweh incarnate. If we look at John 1, there's actually a lot of linguistic similarities between John 1 and what we were reading in Exodus. If you look at verse 14, it says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Literally, that means he pitched his tent among us, much like the tent of meeting with Moses. And we have seen his glory, which was the request from Moses. He wanted to see God's glory. The glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And if we go to verse 17, it says, For the law was given through Moses. So you see John is thinking of Moses as he's writing this. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So Jesus is portrayed as like a new Moses here. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who is himself God and in his closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. So the Father and the Son are one equally God. In Jesus, we see the glory of Yahweh. And that's what we see in Hebrews 1 as well. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. I love that. The exact representation of Yahweh, the exact glory of Yahweh is Jesus. And then John 17, verse 11, it says, Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. So protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me. So the Father and Son share the same name. And we see this in Philippians 2 as well. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every other name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So what is the name that is above every other name? Yes, Jesus' name is elevated here, but the name that is above every name is the name Yahweh. And if you go back to Isaiah 45, which is what this is referencing, 
It says, before me every knee will bow and by me every tongue will swear. This is Yahweh speaking. This is coming straight from Isaiah. So the name Yahweh is given to the Son, and there are several places in Scripture where we see the Spirit of the Lord in all caps, which is meaning the Spirit of Yahweh. So the name of Father, Son, in Spirit is Yahweh. God, the God of the universe, has revealed his name to us. And that changes everything. What does that change in my life? What does that have to do with me? God's name, first of all, reveals that we should seek to know and be known. God revealing his name to us demonstrates that he is one that wants relationship. He is a relational God. He wants us to be with him. And as I mentioned last week, we were made from community for community, but oftentimes I think we want to reject that. I'm sure there are people in this room who the perfect idea of, of a vacation would be going to a log cabin in the middle of nowhere where there's not a human contact in 100 miles and you just be there for a month in isolation. <laughs> Some of y'all, that might be the perfect vacation. It sounds kind of decent to me too. But even to introverts, even to people who don't want to be seen as much or known as much in some situations. And I'm not saying that's universally true. I'm an introvert myself. But, and like, don't get me wrong. I know the importance of going away and being away. Luke 5, Jesus spends a lot of time in the wilderness praying by himself. It is important. It is needed. But at the same time, it is important that we know other people and are known. We let other people into our lives and see us for who we are. And men have particularly struggled with this in the past, and right now. I heard a statistic, nine out of 10 men don't have a single friend that they can share anything with, or everything with. Nine out of 10. We oftentimes do a much worse job in relationship than, than the ladies. We can learn something there. But being in close relationship with people is so important because that is what we were created for. We were created to live this way. Humans are not meant to be alone. And it's really easy, too. Being relational, it's really not that hard. You just have to acknowledge people's existence in a positive way. <laughs> I guess I should frame that. Just smiling at somebody, saying hi to somebody, knowing somebody's name and calling that person out by name. All of those things. They're very simple things you can do, but it makes a world of difference. Whenever I was teaching at Lipscomb last year, I would often find myself going to Subway because I forgot my lunch quite a bit last year. But I made it an effort as I went into Subway that I was going, because the same person worked there every day I went in. I made it an effort, like, I'm going to learn this person's name, and every time I come in here, I'm going to call them by name. And it is amazing, just simply being kind to somebody and saying someone's name. Every time I walked in, she was like, you remembered my name. Like, I, I can't believe that. You remember my name. And it's, it's something as simple as doing that. It can make a world of difference. Like, you could see a visible change in her expression whenever I would just smile and say, hi, how you doing? You have no idea the impact that you can have on the people that you come across every single day just simply by caring enough to ask some questions, to smile at people, to be kind and learn someone's name as God knows our name. 
And the second thing is God's name reveals that we should have consistent character. And this is a, this is a hard thing. I'm not saying I'm good at this, because I'm not. If you, if you wake me up early in the morning, you'll see I don't have consistent character. But many of you, I would assume, would say that you are not the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And, you know, I think that's just the truth. We have a lot of areas to grow in. But this is also something we should be striving for through the help of the Holy Spirit. We want our yes to be yes. We want to be people of integrity. We do. We don't want to contribute to the hypocrisy of churches that have led so many people wanting to leave the church and want nothing to do with us anymore. We need to be people of consistent character. Because to the outside world, as John Mark Comer, he ends his book this way, and I think it's really well said, we carry the name of Yahweh. There are several places in scripture where Yahweh's people are carrying the name, almost as if it's a banner. Wherever we go, we are God's representation on earth. We are carrying the name Yahweh, and we are to be like the one we worship. So remember, everywhere that you go, you are carrying the name Yahweh. Because if people look at us and they're like, you know what, you look the exact same as me. You look the exact same as everybody else around here. There is really nothing different about you. What that does when people see that, it helps feed this narrative that there's no power in what they're doing. They're just deceiving themselves so they feel better about death. Like these are the types of things that just keep feeding that narrative. But, but if we live differently, if we live with the character that we see from God and what we're going to be reading in Exodus, that we are people of compassion and always compassionate, that we are people of grace, that we are people of faithfulness, of justice, people are going to look at us and be like, how are you this way? What makes you different? How can I have some of that? And then you have an awesome opportunity to share what Jesus has done in your life and what it means to be a follower of Yahweh. So whenever you go out to eat some, somewhere, if you pick up food or get DoorDash or have someone come over, whatever, you're not just getting food, you are carrying the name. If you're at school and walking in the hallways, you're not just a student, you're carrying the name. Whenever you're in the workplace and you're dealing with people you really don't want to deal with and you want to treat someone unkindly, remember, you're carrying the name. So let's be a church that follows after the character of Yahweh and be a people who honors the name Yahweh with all of our lives. Let's pray. Lord God, Yahweh, we thank you that you're the kind of God that cares enough about us that you want to know us like a friend, that you want to be relational, you want to reveal yourself to us, that you love us enough to call us by name, to write our names in the book of life. Help us to be a people whenever we come into contact with those who don't know you, to be a beacon of hope, to be the aroma of heaven, to be your representation here on earth. Help us to be someone that lives into the name of Yahweh. And help us, help how we live our lives. May our names bring your name glory. And we pray all this in Christ's name.
who makes it happen. Amen.